What's up, everybody? I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to Liquid Carnage. My friend, we spent one hell of a weekend celebrating in Phoenix, uh, did we not? Oh, my gosh. I, I have to admit, um, the, the birthday shindig turned out fantastic. Uh, got Well, obviously, we got to spend time with you guys, which even if there wasn't a birthday involved, it would have been awesome. But, yeah, we got to see a lot of friends. We got to sit by the pool. We got to, uh, you know, taste different distilled liquors and, and uh, yeah. beers. And so we, 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 we hit it pretty good. We hit it pretty good. We hit pretty well, too. So, you know, I, I, I am always – always thankful for the time we get to spend together with our circle of friends uh, yeah, and doing do. new things and it's been a while since we've had a chance to all get together and do this so yeah uh, it was just a great time to relax somewhere else outside of town for a little bit not for you guys obviously but in a different part of town you normally go uh, but well it's, like it's you a, said phoenix nice. is the kind of experience for us because we i mean we've been to a few places and we showed you one of the places but there's a lot of places we've never been to downtown is not one of the places we normally party at so it was good it was fun yeah, you know, it's you know, what's nice about this this past weekend is I actually uh, maxed out on vacation time, so I took some time off. So uh, before you came down to Phoenix, I had a couple days off to kind of, you know, do my weekend stuff in town early and kind of have some downtime. And uh, I don't get a lot of that these days. So I one one afternoon, I did absolutely nothing. I take it back. I went day drinking with our buddy Brian from, uh, I forget his podcast is called now, because I don't think he's done Drink with Bink. He hasn't done it in a while. Drink with Bink, yeah, Drink yeah, with Bink. Yeah. So I, I randomly texted Brian to go day drinking and watch the Olympics, uh, which is one of my favorite pastimes every four years is oh, to, wow, dip out, cool. to dip out in the summer in the middle of an afternoon and just go drink and watch the Olympics at a bar. So, That's awesome, dude. That's uh, awesome. Before I did that, though, I, I was just flipping through uh, the HBO because a buddy of mine on my softball team had talked about this documentary he saw. And he's a little bit younger than me uh, about Woodstock 99. Woodstock ninety nine. Woodstock ninety nine. And okay. he okay. said it was it was it was really cool to see uh, all this nostalgia for him. And he's like thirty seven, so he's three years younger than me. And he goes, It was just it was just an inter- interesting documentary because he goes, I how do I lived in New York? I'd have gone. So he goes, check it out. So I checked it out and I was immediately sucked in because of all the nostalgia for me. And everybody they were interviewing was my is my age now at 40 years old. And they were like, what the fuck were we thinking? So 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 that I understand. So the, the, the documentary was that in 1999, they did like a 30 year reunion uh, at Woodstock. Did they do what, it at the Woodstock what, location? So here's the background of it all. Uh, the guy who started the original Woodstock um, did a 25 year reunion five years prior to 1994. I don't know if you remember seeing that on pay-per-view. Uh, on the original Woodstock site, and he brought in all these bands, and they just had a three-day festival of just just recreating the first Woodstock. So oh, okay, the promoters agreed to do it every five years thereafter. And wow, okay. This okay. this this documentary was about the Woodstock five years after 1999. So they had learned from the previous two, and they moved the show to a nearby air force base that wasn't being used anymore because it had the infrastructure that uh, they felt they needed to put on a bigger better show so they had they had hangars where they had raves uh for people that wanted to be up all night they had stages on the other side on different parts of the tarmac and then the center stage right in the middle uh it was already kind of enclosed with the wall because it was ex-military so um you had a controlled entrance and exit and you know, infrastructure. 
And on top of oh, that, they were, okay. on top of that, they were bringing in, you know, different things for like fresh water. So people wanted to fill canteens and, and so forth and, and camping and porta potties and whatnot. And then they just, I think it feels like they booked whatever band they wanted to, uh, whatever musical act they could find and just went for it. This, okay. this, took, pla- this took place in July, 1999, the end wow. of July. Okay. So, and, actually, I, I and, literally and so it's also in the premise of, uh, the, 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 the millennium is going to be changing over. This is like exactly. the end of the world. Okay. Got it. Exactly. And, and I think I literally watched this on, uh, one, the, the 22nd anniversary of when this happened. So it was kind of fun to just put those dates together. So cool. they talked about how um, it was a record heat wave that weekend. And they sold a couple hundred thousand tickets, like two or three hundred thousand tickets. So okay. people were coming in droves to this place. And you, they were checking the backpacks for no, no food or water that could be brought in, but they're letting drugs slide by. Because <laughs> the, 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 the security they hired, the Peace Patrol, quote unquote, is what they were. Uh, anybody could get hired. You just had to complete the three-hour course. Then you got uh, badged uh, a shirt, and you were paid to be there and be security. But they weren't working for anybody but the, the event people. So they had no real official training besides that course. So they were letting people slide by, pretty much disappearing into the crowd. Everything got started. Um, it was a shit show. This thing was doomed to start, doomed from the start. So, wow. the in f- this, in just to give everyone an idea, this is basically a rock festival. So, this is a bunch of early twenties, late teens, oh, white frat boys, and the occasional middle-aged person you see flash on the screen. But it start. They said you could feel happening. DMX, uh, the late DMX, in his prime. Uh, got the entire white crowd to start using the N-word back and forth with them. Oh, and God. you could feel the charge, they said. And okay. by, the, by the time corn went on to end night one, now remind you, Woodstock's about peace and love. Yeah. End of night one was Korn, uh, one of the biggest new metal rage rock bands of that era, still today. Yeah. Uh, and Jonathan Davis was on the went on the, went on the documentary. I was like, yeah, man, I just left it all out there, and I'm not sure why they booked us, but I, I made sure that was like the best performance I could. And like that, I had I, I collapsed when I left the stage. I was so hot and dehydrated. Wow, because it was so hot that it was so weather. hot. And, yeah. And so the heat and the dehydration, they were selling water for four bucks a bottle there. Oh shit. And this was before uh, now, before cell phones, before debit cards uh, that are so easily used like we have now. And the places where they had the free water that I mentioned earlier, people had started jumping in uh, to cool themselves off and started just basically breaking the pipes to cut the lines and, and get the water and do whatever with it. So that was a mess. The porta potties overflowed within the first six hours. Makes sense of 200,000 yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. So. People who thought they were playing in mud weren't. They were playing in raw sewage. Mm. Night one, early day two is while this is happening. Okay. Day, you know, day two, the heat kicks in. People are, start, you know, they have to set up air in the middle of, of, of the actual base of like a lost and found for people. Like, have you seen my friend? Have you seen this? Because again, there's only one bank of pay phones. Cell phones aren't a thing back then. So nobody knows where to find. And 
the crowd they said you could just feel the crowd getting restless like the offspring went on there went on stage when they performed and pretty much told people hey man if, if a girl's crowd surfing don't grope them like like be a decent human being you know <laughs> but at that age 1920 it doesn't happen when you right. got that many people around you so again a festival for peace and love the idea they had they had a nonprofit group from one of the nearby colleges there having people sign petitions about gun violence because Columbine happened three months before. Yeah. And okay. They wanted to have a candlelight vigil on Sunday nights. So They're handing out candles. That will oh, come no. into play later on. I was, was going to say that doesn't, I can already tell that doesn't sound good. Yeah. So, so Saturday night, it's like the peak of the heat. Uh, the promoters only booked three female acts, the entire show. So Friday night was Cheryl Crow. Saturday was Alanis Morissette and Sunday was Jewel. You could argue at that point in time, all three at the height of the popularity. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, those are big names. Okay. Okay. Big names. Um, So Alanis Morissette on Saturday night for a peace and love show opened essentially for Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine, and Metallica. Oh, shit. When everything. Is like the temperature's going, the crowds yeah. are moving closer to the stage because they want to see that. Yeah. And they said oh, it just went from there. Because I don't know if he recognizes Limp Biscuit uh, or, or the kind of music they had 20 years ago, but that was right around their album, uh, Significant Other, which had a song called Break Stuff on it. Oh, uh, you know, so it, it's, a, it's an iconic song for what it is because sometimes you just have a bad day and it really channels it. When they hit that song, and in between songs, they were telling Fred Durst, please find a way to calm the, 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 the crowd down. Just please find a way. Oh, God. Come on. Come on. And, and, I'm, I'm... and, and he ignored it. Hey, of course. They, they were pulling off plywood from the speakers and, and crowd surfing on that and basically just trashed the place. They said and that spilled over into the rave. And by the time everything ended at, at, at around lock, and people started going to the rave area coast just completely done and throughout this they're telling the story of the people of some of the people who went and were on to be interviewed and they're talking to this guy who said he went with his best friend who wanted to be a journalist and he wanted to just journal about his whole experience here because his whole thing was he wanted to see metallica and mosh with metallica and he was all through everything on day one and day two he, he they show his journal where he said that you know, he, he went around everywhere, but he's going back to his tent to rest up because Metallica was coming and wanted to be ready for the show. So he made his way to as close to the stage as he could through Metallica during the Limp Bizkit, during the Rage shows. And this guy was, was a bigger dude, but a meek dude. You know, you look at the pictures of him like, OK. And I say look at the pictures because obviously, you know, where this is going. Right. Um, in the middle of the Metallica show, he got hyperthermia. And collapsed. What? Because of dehydration and heat. And heat. Oh my and hyper for those I, of you, it's not hypothermia, hyperthermia. So yes. the other extreme Hi, hyper hyperthermia is extreme heat exhaustion. Hypothermia is extreme cold. Right. And the security guards right there and the medics treated it as a drug overdose, so they shocked him. Oh shit. So these kids that, that he went with had to call his mother. The kid was like 24 years old. Okay. And had to call his mom and explain to them how he, how he died. Oh. So 
they said through all of that, you could feel this underlying energy of just negativity just starting. Like people are, people are getting angry. And I'm raping. sorry. Wait a minute. The 24 year old kid died because they shocked him. And they thought it was a drug overdose, not hyperthermia. Oh jeez. Oh man, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. So by the time they got that figured out, like the next day, his friends found you know found out what happened. They had to call his mom and explain what happened. So that's a whole other thing. And by the time Sunday rolls around, uh, the crowd's tired. It's hot. It's dehydrated. Um, the food is expensive. They're running out of money, and the natives are essentially becoming restless. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers go on as one of the final acts. Oh, right around nice. where they want to do that candlelight vigil. Yeah. So as this candlelight vigil is going on, uh, or starting, people take those candles and they essentially fire. So there is fire going on everywhere at this point. They're actually calling in the fire because then riots break out because people are so tired and, and, and thirsty. They're breaking in to the food vendor areas and taking the food and the water. I mean, it was insane. And, you know, that's why we haven't seen a Woodstock since. So that, yeah, I was going to say, because I haven't really heard of any Woodstocks since well, then. There was supposed to be a Woodstock in, in, in 2019, but it got canceled uh, because okay. of uh, some issues going on. But I think what, what happened is they got sued 20 years ago and they just figured it's best to be left alone. But the, the, the overlying premise of this documentary uh, was that this was driven by, HB, by, by MTV, the Woodstock was. It was the era where it was the Britney Spears in sync era on yeah, one yeah. side of Total Request Live versus the Corn and Limp Biscuit era. Yep. And okay. they just went all in to the Corn and Limp Biscuit area on this side and just tried to provoke everything with it, with their newscast. We went back and watched, they, they show clips of Kurt Loader, the, the MTV anchor at the time. And what he said and how he presented things and how they're how they're interviewing certain people. It was very much a aha gotcha media thing. You know. But the other, other point they talked about is how this was all early twenty, you know, white frat boys. And this is the first time in a long time that we don't have something to rage against. You know, we're not trying to f- combat racism. We're not trying to combat a war. You know, the first Vietnam, the first Vietnam, the first Woodstock was about peace and love and, and unity and being together and, and coming as one to 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 re, to fight against those things that were wrong. And we didn't really have that voice. We didn't really have that that thing that we were trying to fight against at that time, you know. Well, and I mean, yeah, I think that the, when you talk about the people that probably went to Woodstock, they had a common uh, personality trait about them that unified them yeah you know it was all about sex drugs rock and roll peace love it sounds like this group was just i just want to i just want to destroy shit yeah that's what it was and they said that's that's pretty much what it was is this is a group that just wanted to see the world burn (laughs) it might not have started off like that but as the music went as it added another layer of tension with the heat and the dehydration and the prices of everything, you could just see it start to just implode. Well, and let's be honest, don't you also think that part of it for Woodstock 69 was that the the groups that they brought on were also selling this message of sex, drugs, rock and roll, peace, love? Yeah. 
Uh, so, so I think you geared it where you're you're bringing these people on that on in 1999 that have a certain message that is not. I mean, it has a definite um, theme as well. <laughs> a definite yeah. theme as well. Yeah. You know, and and that's it with, with the theme. I think this has a lot more to do with the the music back then, the, the movement that this was started for. That promoter geared it for for that style of, of festival, you know. And and maybe so, that's even the most the you know quote unquote hateful rage music back then still probably didn't hold a candle to what it was in 1999. Have you ever been to one of those EDC concerts? Uh no, the electronic have you ever, carnival. No. Yeah, have you ever been to one of the? Have you ever been to Las Vegas when the EDC concert was going on or the festival's going on? No, maybe I have. I don't know. It's... So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing that that I I wonder about this because the 1999 sounds like a total a garbage, right? Yeah. That fire festival that they were gonna do oh, turned yeah, out yeah. to be total garbage, right? Yeah. EDC, if you ever go to EDC, what do you have that's in common with Woodstock 69? You have people who believe in a common theme, and the music is a common-themed music. They don't have riots. They don't have shortage of water. They don't have all that stuff. Well, people see, go and listen to music, and they, it feeds into the theme. And I'm wondering if that's where, when you don't have that kind of theme matched with the people that are going if that's where you start to get into these problems and that's and that's an interesting point you bring up because uh that woodstock led into the first coachella a few months later in indio california and that one's so, still going that one's still going today it's a yearly festival they do the same concert back-to-back weekends uh but they said when they did the first one it was in the fall of, of 99 instead of the spring like it is now when you checked in, you got free parking, you got free water, and they handed it to you, and they took care of you because they saw that they saw the shit show that happened in New York, and the promoters and organizers did everything they can to prevent that, and they, they streamlined the music, and, and they just set the tone the right way, and it made all the difference in the world because clearly that's been going on for 20-plus years now versus... Well, it, uh, it doesn't Coachella kind of... It, it, I don't want to say it's, uh, it's more... Um, it's more like, I don't know. I don't want to say top 40. That's not what I'm, it's more, it's more of the contemporary music, like the Beyonce's and, you know, some of the I, more contemporary acts. I think it's headline. a good, it's a healthy mix. Like, yeah, the contemporary acts will, will headline, but I, th- I think they've got a mix of everything. Like, a perfect example, uh, the executive producer used to go to Country Thunder, mm-hmm. right? Now, when you have a bunch of country bands, that are playing with the same kind of general theme, you you, you kind of can I, you almost can predict the outcome of what's going to happen in the crowd. There's going to be a lot of no nope. offense, girls dressed very southernly, if you want to call it that. There's going to be a lot of beer drinking, and there's going to be a lot of dancing. Right? I'm sure the Coachella is probably the same way that when you go to a Coachella festival, the bands are geared toward a certain type of music appreciation. But I think the difference with, with this particular festival is they tried to include something for everybody because it was such a large venue and they had it at all these different corners, essentially. 
they tried to have something with every for everybody. So you start mixing the rave crowd with the metalheads versus the people that just wanted to do the drugs and have a good time out by the camp. And yeah. everything everything just kind of blends it goes bad, you know. But I think what resonates me the most what resonated with me the most of this whole thing was the, the fact that they brought it's like a generation is trying to rage against something, but there's nothing to be angry about and nothing to be like, this has to change. This is, this is a problem. And it got me thinking because, you know, I, I am the age of those people that were there and being, I've been through the same stuff at the same age mind frame that they've been through. And I got to thinking about it and they're really right, man. I look back to when I graduated high school, there wasn't a lot that we as a society were like, this needs to change. This needs to get fixed. It was pre nine 11 pre Afghan war, um, pre Iraq war, pre Iraq, pre MAGA. I mean, you know, election fixed elections or whatever else. I mean, it was not uh, as an. And right. Yeah. That that could be a big part of it. and, And people you look at now, like people are, there's two different revolutions beginning. The people, you you look at politics, the people who want to make America great again and and do it their way, and the people that want the rules uh, with accountability and registration their way. So it's the left versus the right, and that's that's seeping into everything. COVID, it's another revolution that's happening right now. And it's interesting because... I feel like a lot of this that's 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 being raged against now from the middle age is because we didn't have something in our in our youth to get it out of our system. Does that make sense? That does. Um, but let me ask you this: How much of this? I mean, you do this for a living. How much of the success or failure of these does fall on the organizers? You know, like some people will say, "Oh man, I just want to have this great big concert, man! Like Woodstock, oh, yeah. it's gonna be so awesome." versus you can tell like like Coachella you can tell with Coachella that whoever organizes that has it down they 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 whether it's the bands that they get or the types of venues that they have available or the like you said everyone gets water everyone gets I mean Country Thunder it sounds like Country Thunder has it down mm-hmm. in, in Phoenix right you um, versus fire the fire festival obviously yeah. guy didn't know two shits he had a good idea but no execution. He yeah. didn't realize you can't just put dome tents on a sand beach and call that housing. That just doesn't work. You can't do that. You know, you have to have, you know, if you're going to bring 70,000, 80,000 people to a small desert Island, you better be able to provide water, toilets and housing. And if you can't do that, it's going to fail. Uh, this Woodstock, you can't just put a bunch of people <laughs> on an old army base and think that that's going to just, Oh, it'll work. It'll work. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting because I look back, I didn't realize how much went wrong or maybe I forgot how much went wrong for that Woodstock. Uh, but it's set that probably everything that went wrong makes the way. Cause it's still a small group of people that do these major events. You know, it's it, those circles run with colleagues, probably nationwide, probably very close tight knit where you can communicate with each other. I did this, this worked, or we did this and that worked. Cause you're not in each other's territories. You're in different regions, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming the results from that um, echoed through how things were done moving forward to make sure that never happened again. Well, and, and, and I don't understand, I don't understand this group, 
but the EDC people, the, the you know, whoever runs these EDC concerts, and, and these concerts are all over. They're not just Vegas. They happen all over. And the general theme, it seems very much the same. I mean, people are dressed in very unique costumes, and we're going to do a lot of ecstasy and drugs. But for some reason, whoever organizes those has got it down like i mean you know that when you go to a festival for edc people are there with a common purpose common theme and their organizers can make it work um and you know like the coachella that's a perfect example i was trying to think of the name of the one but they've been doing it for 20 plus years and they seem to have a pretty good system in place well they do but because i, I think i, I wonder think they've what learned yeah and, and i wonder you know i think the other thing too is you only have to get sued once and get burned <laughs> when you say, okay, if we're going to do this the next time, we've got to have our stuff together. We've got to be yeah. in, in good coordination. Um, but how much of it too is, boy, have some good music. Cause to me, Woodstock 99, the, the spread of music didn't make it, it didn't give it a common theme to me. Like they just put random bands. Hey, let's book someone. Okay. Let's book, you know, let's book this well, band, you know, this you, band, this band, this band. And it's like, well, that's, there's not a common theme there. That's just book a band. And, you know, well, I, I think, I think the, the, the band they booked, it, it was definitely more rock and, and new age metal was the theme. Cause that was, that was the, the style of, of rock and roll at that time. Cheryl Crow you know, and they, they were they are not in the same genre, though, dude. I mean, those are not, you know, Atlantis Morissette and Rage Against the Machine are not in the same genre. But Alanis Morissette, not. no, no. If you listen to Jagged Little Pill, that's also a very angry alternative new rock album. You know, she might have toned it down. Not as a lot she of yelling. Older. Yeah, there's not a lot of yelling in that album. Not a lot of yelling. You know, but Rage Against was, the Machine, was, I don't look at them as the little. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? I don't look at them as a <laughs> Rage Against the Machine. I don't look at them as that kind of band. But no, I, I get that. But but you're 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 taking the the sweet isn't an ironic song, but you're forgetting about you ought to know or some of the other like heavy bangers that she had huh. that would match the of of a song like Freedom from Rage or Cookie by Limp Biscuit. Yeah, Overline might have been modern rock. And new metal, but there certainly yeah. wasn't any bubblegum pop, any country. There wasn't anything that wasn't going to be on a rock station, you know? Yeah. So, well, and it sounds like from what you're saying, infrastructure is huge. And that not only just the location, but also you need to have food, you need to have water, you need mm-hmm. to have the toiletries, you need to have all that stuff there. Um, and when you leave, when you, it's kind of like, remember the book Lord of the Flies? Mm hmm. You know, every all these little kids coming from a little private school, they get onto an island where they don't have the infrastructure in place. They get a little crazy. They get a little nuts. They start doing things that they normally would not do if they were in the normal world. So maybe this was just the it was bound to happen just because, hey, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hot. I'm getting tired. I want to burn something now. Yeah, and that's that's essentially what it was. I mean, the mob mentality took over. And, you know, they, they showed press conferences from the organizers. And you can see the shortness that they were getting with the press uh, because they're trying to deal with these things as they came up and they had no answers. And at a certain point, when you have to call in the state troopers and, and the fire department to help bail you out, it's a problem. You know, yeah, so- you know, and I think, I think a lot of these people also, you know, if you're not organized to say, look, 
whatever bad could happen, we need to prepare that it is going to happen versus, man, this is going to be great. It's Woodstock for 99. People are going to just come in unity and want to hear the music. and It's going to be all about the music. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have a problem. (laughs) You're going to have a problem. Yeah. So that's that's why we haven't seen one since, man. So just just an interesting, fun little yeah, little thing I awesome. saw over over my time off, and I I just it really hit it really hit home to me because, like I said, it, it was that took place at an age that was that I was those people had it, had this happened close to to Arizona or I'd yeah. been back in New York, I probably would have gone because those are bands I wanted to see, and not knowing any better, like what could have happened. Holy shit! Yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen a young nineteen year old Scott. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knee deep in <laughs> knee deep in that place, man. I'm telling you, that would have that would have been a shock to the system, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I'm sure it made a lot of people grow up a lot sooner than they had to, man. So, oh heck yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. So as we wrap this up, though, have have you ever been to a concert that really uh, resonated with you or went so badly you cannot wait to get out of there? We want to hear about it. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all at Liquid Carnage. Uh, if you have a new festival for our EP to find up in Colorado, because he needs something since he can't go to Country Thunder in Arizona. Hit him up on Twitter and Instagram at liquid underscore EP. I, I will say that you talking about that Woodstock 99, it did remind me of the, the documentary I watched on the Fire Festival. And it's like, yeah, best laid. I mean, talk about if they could have pulled it off, it wouldn't have been an amazing event. Um, but just it just burned so bad. I mean, it just it, it didn't even do it. That's the thing. No. They, it didn't even go. But anyways. Well, I would, I would say if you want to watch a great documentary on how to pull off a great festival, uh, Wayne's World 2. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wayne's oh, Talk. If you build it, they will come. That's right. That's if right. you book them, they will come. I'm sorry. If you book them, they will come. That's right. If you book That's them, they will right. come. <laughs> Scott, great, man. I'm going to have to uh, – I don't have HBO Max, so I'll have to figure out a way to watch that. But I'm definitely interested in watching it now. Take the, take the seven-day be... trial. Just do a seven-day trial. It, it sounds like a really interesting just uh, – it sounds like it would be an interesting documentary about how best laid plans can go so wrong and in the worst kind of ways. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. No, I hope, let me know. I would, I would, I would love to hear your thoughts. Awesome. All right. Well, Hey everyone, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Um, uh, and like I said, I'd love to hear some, I would love to see the comments about if you've been to a concert or a, a festival that went well or went crappy. So I, I'll be looking forward to reading those. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. That was Scott. I am Jason. And as always, if you never know quite what to say, just have yourself some liquid carnage.